Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, live edition, picks edition. Um, I'm Ari Wasserman here with Seth Emerson, our Georgia beat writer and SEC expert, and Dave Ubbin, who's probably going to tell us that he ate something weird and obscure in public this week. And no. I'm super excited to hear that stuff. No, I just had a I had a cutie before the show, Ari. Is that is that too weird for you? No, that's okay. With a little tangerines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little cutie. Is that a, okay, is so that we a, got a lot. We've, we've got a lot to get into. I, I mean, it'd be kind of hilarious if you bought the cutie. Like, uh, I'm sure you could find a time and place where it's inappropriate, and I'm sure you're going to eat it. But um, it feels good to be back, guys. We've got a lot on our plate today. Thursday shows always a lot to get through because um, you know going through the games before they happen is always harder than talking about um, you know what occurs afterward. And somebody tweeted at me. And I think they tweeted at you too this morning, Dave. And they go, why does the athletic make you guys give gambling picks? You're not handicappers. You're sports reporters. Uh, this isn't your job. There's people who have that full time. And I'm like, I know, but we're going to do our best. We try um, to tell people. And I'm not acting like I'm a gambling expert. In fact, I lean on gambling experts in their analysis when I make my own plays and make the picks on this show. So that's all part of research. It's what we do. Uh, there's a, handicapper out there named Tyler Shoemaker on Twitter who's really sharp. Um, and if you are into gambling, um, he breaks down numbers and things that we can't see on TV and does it in a very smart way and is actually very good at hitting bets. So before we get into the show, guys, let me just welcome you again formally to Until Saturday's Week 6 Pick Show. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh, drop us a five-star review and leave a question with that review and we'll answer it on the show. Subscribe to the Until Saturday YouTube channel if you're listening to this in podcast form. Um, the link to the YouTube will be found in the show's description on the podcast. And also, of course, if you're listening to this um, on YouTube live right now, we appreciate it. Be sure to go find the podcast under the same name, Until Saturday. Um, everything that you can do, like, share, comment, thumbs up, whatever you can do to help the show continue to grow would be greatly appreciated. It is a big help to us. So lastly... We go uh, live three times a week, Thursday, as we are right now for the pick show, Saturday nights um, to contextualize what happened, the reaction show of the day, and then Sunday, Sunday sound off show where we come back 24 hours later and allow the fans to tell us what's on their mind. If you want to do that, you can leave a voicemail at the Until Saturday phone line, 316-462-9852. Again, that's 316-462-9852. You can call or text it. Um, it gets text, subscriber questions. We can read them, but we will definitely, 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 definitely err on using the voices because we love hearing your voices on the show. Uh, everything that I just outlined there can be found in the in the show's description. And all the lines that you will hear on this show moving forward uh, are sponsored by BetMGM. 
Okay. Quick news before we start, guys, and then we'll get into the picks. It's lawyer Pat season Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah. Lawyer up season in the Big Ten. Pat Fitzgerald. I think we all knew this was coming, uh, especially considering the fact that it was kind of just a bizarre way that Northwestern handled the hazing incident. Is suing Northwestern for $130 million. Any takes on this? Uh, I think his central argument seems like it will be that nothing changed from his two-week suspension to being fired. Um, This is why... Ari, I know this sounds like a hot take. If I was a college president and my most public employee was under an investigation and I got a full report, I might read it before I made a huge decision. Just a thought. And then maybe... And maybe not admit that you didn't if you didn't. Yes. 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 Just a thought. I don't know. You know, maybe that's a little bit too much to ask. I know they're very busy people. They got funds to raise and backs to slap and, uh, you know, facilities to build. But again, if you're going to fund and do a big investigation of your most public employee, read the report before you decide a punishment. Just a thought. Seth, you have any thoughts on this? Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think you were going to talk about Mel Tucker also. And mm-hmm. in both of these cases, isn't there a lag between the administration knowing everything and them actually doing anything? And in between that lag is the media publishing something? There seems I, to be some disagreement on the Mel Tucker situation of who knew what and when. And that seems to be the zone in which they're maybe focusing on. I imagine that both of these will be settlements. I would guess that. Uh, I mean, they're Pat not Fitzgerald getting jobs get more. Back, so. Well, sure, but you yeah. can get some of what you're owed. I guess uh, 130 million is pretty steep. He's not going to. But I don't think either of these sides would love discovery or a trial or anything like right. that. I think it behooves both of them to reach some sort of settlement to sort of make this uh, go away. That's usually how these things are handled. The goal is a settlement and enough of a reputation back enough that they can get another job. That's the goal. I guess that's the goal. I I think Fitzgerald will have a a much easier time than Mel Tucker would. I think with Fitzgerald, if you come under someone else's roof, you can sort of say, well, I'm in control here and so and so. Like I could see him getting a job, you know, not in not that long if he really wanted one. Um, Mel Tucker, I, I, it might be a little, it may be a little while. Yeah. It's, it's the hardest know. thing to do in college football is if you have a thing that prevents you from being able to recruit effectively. And I think yes. you can make a case for both of these coaches mm-hmm. being in that category. So like, I don't know, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald was always somebody who came up for NFL jobs. And I don't know if that is something that would present itself again. I don't mean head coaching jobs, but I mean, I could see him being a, yeah, coordinator at the NFL level where hazing and things well, of that Durkin nature don't is back. Yeah, you know. So, that's and true. that's what I mean. I don't mean like Mel Tucker, Pat Fitzgerald getting a head coaching job anytime. Yeah, ever or soon, but enough that like someone can bring one or both on as an analyst in a year or two or yeah, something along those lines. I think Ari put it well. Is that it's I I don't want to give presidents or ads too much credit and be like, oh, you know. They're going to draw the line the same. They don't want these no. people. No, if this guy could win 10 games a year for you, you probably would do it. But the reality is that what they did, um, you know, has prevented them from doing their job effectively. And more than anything, that is what I think will keep them. Well, here's the funniest the thing about this whole thing, too. Not, not funny, but Pat Fitzgerald, I think that you could make the case 
got more with less for a long period of time than anybody in college football. So from a program building standpoint, Pat Fitzgerald would be a very tempting hire if you were a place that had academic restrictions or you were behind the eight ball in recruiting in some sense because he took them to two or three Big Ten championship games. Granted, it was out of the West, but with the way that that program has recruited and the teams that he was playing against, sometimes in the crossover rivalries in the Big Ten, to do that not once but twice or three times, I think is a very, like, I mean, there were there were times maybe four or five years ago where I might have put Pat Fitzgerald as a top 10 coach in college football on my personal list if Stewart or Bruce ever asked me to join their, their fun. <laughs> um, so that, I think, would be tempting with Mel Tucker. Like, there is a lot of thought process of, well, you know, let some time pass, things go happen, and then move forward. But, like, has he ever won big enough or proven to be a big enough winner where the burden of what happened here is no longer outweighing the benefit of it. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if no, he's proven I mean, enough as a winner to be like a necessary hire for anyone. No, it's a good football coach coming up. A guy with a lot of respect, um, sort of from this, you know, uh, you know, he's been around a lot of really good coaches, but I think certainly what happened was, is you have one really good year at Michigan state and Michigan state knows that they're liable to be poached. And they said, here's all our chips. We're pushing them all in on this guy. We're giving him this crazy contract because, you know, we know that we are going to, this is going to pay off over time. And then we want this to be our guy. And we haven't seen a, you know, contract. I mean, you can talk about Jimbo all you want, you know, but we haven't seen a contract backfire quite like that in some time. But now it seems like they'll get out from under at least some of. But when you look to hire Mel Tucker, mm -hmm. what do you see? You see a coach that had a really good first year a lot of which mm -hmm. had to do with Kenneth Walker. But let's not pretend that Michigan State was headed to the moon a month ago, like before yeah. this happened. Like they were headed well, I mean, to the like there's, there's and that's the, the, the whole there's a connection. Case of why they're, right. I mean, the skeptics right. case for this is like, if this happens to Kirby Smart, is it handled the same way, right? And I think, Exactly. I, I think there's a line that's a lot further on the wins scale that gets a coach fired, just speaking pragmatically for how college athletics work. Kirby Smart does not get fired, but like you don't have to win two national championships. Like he did a lot. I would say 85 to 90 percent of coaches get fired for what Mel Tucker did or was alleged to do, whether it's consensual or whatever. Hugh Freeze um, is another one. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. I just covered a game where he was still coaching, but he had to go away for a little bit. And then he had to go to yeah. Liberty. It took and then it took Auburn hiring him. And I'm, this is a, you know, so, a college football podcast. Yeah. I don't think that we have to be you know, mince words about it. If you are a very good coach who is a proven winner, uh, there's a lot you. that can be looked past uh, your, your off the field yes. transgressions in order to move forward in that. So, okay. Um, I think it's time to go to the picks. One last piece of news. Mel Tucker will not attend the hearing that Michigan state had scheduled for today and Friday uh, because of a serious medical condition. So that is what his attorney said on Thursday. Do with that as you will. That's just a piece of news that, I think that we need to uh, get out there. So Daniel Garrett here is back in the comments. Last week, he he fired off a, a winner for me. <laughs> Akron minus two and a half. It didn't hit. He's back for more. I feel like this is the Matt Commissioner's burner or something. We got <laughs> Bowling Green, uh, you can get plus 10, but it's nine and a half at BetMGM. That's his play this week. Everybody, <laughs> sure. he's 0-1 on official plays. <laughs> 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put them up here every week because I want to see. I want to let my man cook. Um, action, I baby, like, action. I, I like Bowling Green, but not because of Daniel, because of my buddy <laughs> Tyler, um, who also likes that side, I think. So, okay, let's get into the picks. Let's start with the game that everybody's talking about, even more so than a rivalry game. Georgia and Kentucky. <laughs> Seth, let me just ask you. Point they are blank, talking about it? Everyone's talking about it. Let's okay. go to the moon, baby. I, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I went to the store and, you know, these cashiers, I had five cashiers say, have you heard about this Georgia Kentucky game? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. What were you buying? Pig's feet? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Seth, Seth, give us give us some some thoughts on on where where Georgia is and it's uh run to a three-peat. So Georgia, let's go back to last year. They got a scare at Missouri. Mm-hmm. It woke them up, and they didn't have another down to the wire game until the playoffs against the one team probably capable of giving them that down-to-the-wire game, Ohio State. This year, you wondered if the South Carolina game would be the wake-up. Then it had to do it even more and had to actually go down to the wire last week against Auburn. So here's what I'm wondering about this team right now. Does it need an actual loss to jar it into reaching its potential? This program has won 22 in a row. It keeps digging itself out of holes against weaker opponents. Uh, is there a pervading sense within that program, or at least just enough people on that team, that it will always be okay? I don't know, honestly. It, is Georgia sufficiently woken up now, and will it roll over Kentucky and then roll over the rest of its regular season schedule at least? Uh, or is it a team that schematically is just going to – this is what we're going to see and they're, they're due. They're going to lose to somebody perhaps as soon as Saturday. I, I don't know if Kentucky's the team to lose to. It could be, but mm-hmm. I've seen this movie before. Uh, I've been on this beat continually since 2010, which means I've never seen Georgia lose to Kentucky. I've seen them lose to every other SEC team at some point, including Vanderbilt twice. Uh, with the exception of Texas A&M, which they've only played once since they got in the league. But they always beat Kentucky, and the reason lately is because, honestly, they're built similar. But Georgia has more talent. It's like I wrote in a story a couple days ago. It's like the Spider-Man meme of the two Spider-Men pointing at each other, except one of them is larger and faster. And Uh, bigger, stronger, and faster, and bulkier, and sexier. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) this game's in Athens. This game's at night. Uh, Georgia actually got out of the Auburn game in decent health shape, as far as we know. Um, so <laughs> Georgia, I think, is 0-4-1 against the spread this year. Yes. But, Kentucky 4-0. <laughs> and and I, I also, there's part of me that's like, this is going to catch up to Georgia at some point. But the, the part of me that says, if you gave me, like, I've got to put a lot of money on this game, I'd, I'd take Georgia to cover. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So here's what I wanted to ask, Dave, if you don't mind, real quick. No, have at it. So the way that you were describing that scenario, or what you see out of this Georgia football team, is an implication of some sleepwalking, right? Like this team is just not, needs to get slapped in the face, cold water, you know, thrown into the face to wake up. But my because question is because they keep getting out of these situations. Right. And so you kind of like you have a big team. You, you everyone just kind of there becomes this collective sense of we'll get this. Like Carson will do it or we'll just give the ball to Brock or you know the defense will rise up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that that's a pretty normal thing. Like the thing that I think is most incredible about what Nick Saban did at Alabama was that he somehow convinced his team that they hadn't done anything even when they've done something. So to win it three years in a row, I think a lot, a lot of times the number one hurdle to do it two or three years in a row is to want it as bad as you did when you didn't have it. But that's not what I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you here because I do think that obviously Georgia isn't supremely talented. You know where I stand on recruiting stars and the way that that roster is built. There's no, no bones I don't. about it. Please tell me. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I'm wondering for real here is are these grab ass sleepwalking games? Or are these symptoms to an ailment that actually exists within the program or the offense that is going to cause them to lose? Not because they don't care or not because they're not locked in, but because maybe they're not good enough this year to go undefeated. Like, is that a real thought to you? Or is it just it, when they wake up, they're going to go back to Death Star? No, I mean, it, it could definitely be that, Ari. Um, and the bigger worry about that is the defense. Like, the offense was always going to take a slight step back because you have a new quarterback, new coordinator, new left tackle. Uh, the both tackles from last year are gone, and the one that had some experience is hurt right now. Um, but they've actually been pretty. You know, they've been what you kind of would expect on offense. They've they've been and Carson Beck is getting better by the game. It's the defense. The defense gave up two touchdowns against South Carolina in the first half. They gave up two touchdowns to UAB. Uh, then they gave up two touchdowns on short fields after turnovers uh, to Auburn, but also Auburn ran the ball for more than 200 yards, which nobody had done in six years against Georgia. Most of it was QB run, most of it to the edges. That's not really Kentucky's thing. Uh, So that's why it's not like a huge red flag, red flare. But yeah, Georgia's defense has to get better. Like the formula for this Georgia team is going to three-peat was – Great defense, very good offense. And I thought the offense would get to very good or could get to very good. And they're honestly, the offense has probably been better than the defense. And the defense also has not been good at forcing turnovers like that. I had this in my mailbag this morning. I looked it up. Everyone talks about Georgia's slow starts. Georgia has only gotten eight turnovers all year. And four of them were at the end of the game, you know, South Carolina threw two interceptions as a final drive. And the other four have all been in the second quarter. Uh, so George's more likely been to turn it over early on than to get a turnover and get ahead and have this fast start. 
Um, it, it's it's a it, it really is a team thing. I think the offense and the defense have been kind of equally responsible for both slow starting and this team not being impressive. But the defense was supposed to be better. I, I think people are just have gotten used to the idea that Georgia should just dominate everybody, and I think that it's I think that there is a realization, especially with all the turnover, that like that's more the exception than the yeah. rule, like. The, the idea that you can just walk through and everybody is going to be, you know, falling all over themselves to try and score 10 points against you. Like, there's not a lot of teams ever that can do that. And there's certainly not a lot with as many guys playing big roles for the first time as we've seen uh, with Georgia. Last year, by the way, Georgia, number three in yards per carry allowed. This year, 67th. Yeah. Kentucky, Mostly by the way, number two. QB run. Mostly yes. QB run. QB number two, but I, I will say, you know, for all that ranking said, it's not like they've, they've played a murderer's row. You have a South Carolina team yeah. that looks very, very uh, average. They didn't have the sort of big time out of conference game. And then an Auburn team that like is whatever. I think they're sort of spunky. They seem to have a lot of offensive issues from week to week. So it's it's uh, for me. I, I like Kentucky to cover here. I think Devin Delir gives you enough balance. It feels like a reputation line here of like people that have not been paying attention to what Georgia has actually done. And Kentucky, the best team they've played, I would say, by a decent margin. Um, and so the idea that, that Georgia is going to – I don't think it's a sleepwalking thing. I think it's just this is a very good team that is just not going to blow teams away, despite how talented they are. I think that that's always very tempting to fade Georgia in these scenarios. Like you, Kentucky is 5-0. and They're building mm-hmm. something. They have Devin Leary. Like on paper, like you could convince yourself – that Georgia is not going to cover the spread. And in the past, I've gotten into a lot of trouble with that thought process. There was one game where Georgia was playing Arkansas two years ago, and I think Arkansas was getting 17 and a half, or it was kind of a 5-0 and versus 5-0 and game. Seth, you might remember this. Yeah. I think Georgia was winning like 38 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Like it was like was a, a block, blowout. There was a block put like, in there. It was pretty The bad. fact that like this game is in Georgia, the fact that they've sleptwalked, through two games already. Kentucky is undefeated. Like, I'm not going to give into the temptation this time. I'm just going to roll with the team that I think is better. And if Kentucky somehow finds a way to win this game or cover this game, then we'll have further discussion about whether or not George is flawed. But, you know, we're going into week six here, and I'm not going to just, like, punt on who's supposed to be the clear-cut favorite to win the national title because they played a few close games. Um, And maybe Kentucky. It's not like Devin Leary's out there playing like John Elway either. So like, there's no. still a leap of faith that you have well, to let's not, let's kind not, of take let's there. Not, uh, let's not short Ray Davis here. I, I just think the idea that there is a Georgia 21 and a Georgia 22 hiding inside this team, I don't know that I buy that. I think they're very good. I just think they're not. Cl- they're just not at the level that we've seen the last. We year. need they to might see get Georgia's to defense play like we yeah. expect Georgia's defense to play. Yeah. And the the. If the the reason Dave might be right on at least them covering is we've seen Mark Stoops' team shorten the game against Georgia, mm-hmm. and they're capable of doing that. It may not be via Devin Leary's feet the way it was Peyton Thorne's feet against Auburn, but it may be Kentucky's coaches seeing what Auburn did, seeing what UAB did, seeing what South Carolina did, and said, this defense is vulnerable this way, that way, so we're going to scheme up this and that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to make one final point, and then we have got to move on. I'm I'm happy spending a lot of time on this game because it's an important game. It's an interesting game. I want to say that I don't think that anybody, like the only person who plays their position 
as well as Brock Bowers plays tight end is Marvin Harrison playing receiver, right? Is there anybody else in college football that can even come close? I might disagree close? with you, Ari. I would maybe you, put you might Brock think, ahead of him. Yeah, I'm saying. like that's. Yeah, I, I would, think Brock's yeah, better yeah. in terms of just how you play your position. Mm-hmm. In terms of value, you know, in part because George is so good, they just, like, Brock. But, like, he took over to a be, game last week. Yeah. And it's like, I know we had a discussion earlier in the year of, like, Georgia's not going to use Brock Bowers in terms of, like, cumulative touches enough to make him a Heisman candidate. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't care about that stuff. Like, what he did last week to me, is Heisman worthy. And like, I'm yeah. going to put him on our, if he does it again, he's going to make my ballot because I just think he's a tremendous player. And Seth, he won them the game last week. Yeah. And it was almost like, and reviewing the film, that, Auburn that, actually like did single coverage more as the game went on. And like safety came late. It was almost like coaching malpractice by Auburn's defense, like leaving him open. It wasn't really Bowers getting open by himself. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe some, uh, you know, starting with Kentucky, they'll scheme it up better. But some of it is also that Georgia does have other weapons. And people sometimes say, well, why don't they give Bowers the ball just from the start? Well, some of it's they're developing the other weapons. They're making the defense think about, you know, Dylan Bell out of the backfield and Marcus Rosemi Jackson, Lad McConkey being back helps him and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, and one note on Bowers, his numbers are probably what's going to keep him from getting Heisman consideration because they're not going to be huge. But he's also mm-hmm. on pace for over a thousand yards, which would make him Georgia's first player to have a thousand yards in 21 years. It's crazy. Conkey, step it up. Step All it right. Up. Next next <laughs> game, guys. And this is probably the biggest game of the week. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't trick our not just for this podcast, again. sorry, but for but for um, college football. Yeah, I wore this. I gotta I get my hats rotation going, but I thought I'd give this one <laughs> one last run here with the boys on there. Uh, Red River rivalry, uh, Texas number three versus number twelve Oklahoma. If you care about rankings, Texas is laying six and a half points. The over under sixty and a half. The game is here in Dallas. Um, go, Dave. All right, you're not going to this. Is this correct? Is this correct? I'm not. No, I, I could not okay. make it this week. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this will be lower scoring than people expect. Uh, two best teams in the Big 12 in stop rates. Uh, Oklahoma against competent defenses, and I use that term liberally. We're talking about SMU and Cincinnati here. They have not looked great. <laughs> uh, they have not passed 30 points. Texas, more than competent defensively. Um, I suspect they can slow Texas down a little bit. Uh, but this, all right, did you know this is the first time that Texas has showed up to the State Fair of Texas as a top 10 team since 2009? That's, it's simultaneously believable and unbelievable to me. Uh, can I tell you my most unbelievable uh, Texas stat and then you can continue? <laughs> Please do. When Bijan Robinson got taken in the first round of this year's NFL draft, he was the first Texas offensive player to get selected in the first round since Vince Young. Yeah, I actually believe that. I've watched enough Texas football. Think about that. <laughs> Think about how yeah. mind-boggling that is. Okay, go ahead. That's Keep going. Jonathan Gray's Achilles tendons are probably to blame for that one. But um Yeah, so you know, if you know, if Texas fans are to be believed, Ari, obviously they were a shoulder injury away from winning the national championship that year. If you told me this season ends with a Texas national title, I think I I wouldn't be floored at this point, but you wouldn't. There's a I wouldn't be. Ari. There is a chance here. There is a chance here, Ari, that we get another like 
37, 13, 37, 17 Texas beatdown. But, but I, I think OU, I think Dylan Gabriel having him there, I think he can make enough plays, makes enough plays down the field. A couple big plays. Defense has been quietly a lot better than people realize from Oklahoma. I think they can, this gets a little muddy, not as fun as some of the other Red River games we've seen, but I think Texas wins it, but OU keeps it close. Uh, so Oklahoma has up until this week has sort of snuck up on people this year because they were ready to write them off and mm-hmm. Brett Venables was going to be two and out. Uh, but here they are undefeated. So there's almost like there's continuation of, well, I got to give Oklahoma more credit and maybe, you know, pick them to win. And I, I don't, I don't want to overcredit Oklahoma for being better than expected. And I don't want to undercredit Texas for what it's done because it's Texas. And we basically have to see them hoisting the national championship trophy before we stop making Texas is back references, you know, in a derisive manner that is. So I'm, I'm not saying the horns won't win the national title or will, but just saying that based on what they've done, that, that Alabama game sticks out to me. And if I, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if, Oklahoma does win because we don't have enough data at this point to say whether or not they're for real or not. Mm-hmm. But I, my hard earned money would go on Texas covering. Okay. I got to do it guys. Um, I have <laughs> been the driver of the Texas bus since before the season started. And I am very aware that I have probably a personal staked interest in Texas winning just based on my. All right. There's room in the ditch with me and the LSU bus. If you want to join us, it's, it's fine. Come on. Over. I've already, I've already put a water bottle down there. Uh, just to wait for me, <laughs> but I don't think if Texas loses this game, I'm in that ditch, especially considering the fact right. for somebody who, you know, doesn't want the playoff to expand because of the sanctity of the regular season that I think there's a probably high likelihood that they're playing again in Dallas uh, at the end of the year. So it's looking that way, I think Texas is going to win this game, but Oklahoma is very undervalued. And there is a lot that goes into gambling than just offensive line, defensive line, who has the better quarterback. There are a lot of advanced statistics that go into this that, you know, are things that we don't even consider. Mm-hmm. And for that, I look at people who look at the math from, from top to bottom and create their own power rankings to create the system and the numbers that they have. And Tyler Shoemaker, who's somebody I've already referenced on this show is one of the most respected gambling experts on Twitter has Oklahoma rated as his number one team, statistically speaking through the first few games. Now this isn't Moneyball; things happen. I get that, but I think we are significantly undervaluing Oklahoma as a football team because of our notions of what happened a year ago. And what happened a year ago in that game was Oklahoma didn't have a freaking quarterback. They literally couldn't play, they couldn't run offense. So of course that was going to happen. I'm not saying that my potential national champion can't run away with this. Of course they could. I think that this is going to be a lower scoring game the way that you mentioned it would. Dave, I agree with that. I would hit the under in this game. Mm-hmm. But I also think I would take the points. I'm not willing to go out there and say that Oklahoma is going to win, even though that's a play for Tyler, two to one. But this is going to be a close game, I think. 
And, you know, we're not at the point now where Texas, I believe, is in Death Star mode where they just beat the crap out of everybody. Yeah. I know this isn't the type of game that you think that they would struggle with in that in that vein. That has to be Kansas State or somebody that we're not particularly looking for. But I do think that Texas could win by five or lose by five in this game. And I could show up to the podcast on Saturday night, not embarrassed, ready to talk about it, and still think that everything is ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not really that worried about it. As long as they don't get blown out, which I hope they don't, I still will think I could show up with a smile on my face. I think Oklahoma with the points, but I think Texas wins. Can I tell you about the wildest Red River tradition that I learned about when I started covering this game? If it's food related and you do it, it's I'm, not food I'm, related, okay. Ari. It's All right. not I food. There are many. Okay. There are many Red River food traditions. I am a traditionalist. I go corny dog, fried Snickers, and then I'll usually try a couple of the exotic ones. I did back in the What's day. What's exotic? I used to do a- What's exotic? I've never been to the fair. What? Ari? I've never been to the Texas State Fair. I don't think you fair. live in Dallas. Ari, oh my gosh. I, I need there's to go. Fried, there's fried Thanksgiving dinner this year. Uh, what is fried I, Thanksgiving dinner? They put turkey and stuffing yeah, and then they fry it? Yeah, it's like all the things in a tur- in a Thanksgiving dinner. And it's fried up in like a bowl. And then you can dip it in uh, cranberry sauce and or gravy, essentially. Um, it was better than you would think. Um Fried butter is wow. sort of more novelty than a real thing. The same goes that for fried gross. beer. Yeah, fried beer, fried butter and fried beer are more just like laughing that they exist more than actual good things. But the fried Snickers is elite. Anyway, but the tradition is that there are a I don't know how many people do this or exactly how popular it is still. But for a long time, there is a not insignificant number of Oklahoma players. They bust down to the game on Friday. Obviously, you stay you go, they give them like some time at the fair afterward, and then they bus back to Oklahoma with the team, and then players will carpool back down to Dallas to like party with friends and stuff, and then go back to Oklahoma on Sunday. It is that is insane. That is a, a lot of time on I-35, but I a lot of players have done this for a long time. And uh I yeah, there's I feel like there's a lot of shortcuts. I mean, yeah, if you wanted to just stay, I guess I don't know why you couldn't just do it, but that I can't say that I would do that, Ari, but it's it's very funny. And Dallas I do that like every weekend. City. They're it's not just, just the going way. to the they're just not going to Weatherford or whatever, Ari. <laughs> they're going to actually Norman. <laughs> uh, I can't believe we've never been to the State Fair of Texas, Ari. What is No, wrong I, I with want you? to. I want to. Well, for when I first moved here it was COVID. Then okay, the second year, fair. my baby was born a week after it came out. So we weren't going right. to go then. And then it's the third year. So, I mean, it's not well, like I never heard of Clyde Warren Park last time we talked. So I was wondering yeah, if you I'm still trying. I mean, Dallas. I'm not trying to. I'm not the cowboy hat. I'll tell you what, you know, Texan <laughs> yet. But I'm still trying to figure we'll out. Like, yeah, we'll get there. I don't have I don't have cowboy boots or anything. But, you know, I, think I grew I, up going to the Minnesota State Fair like every Labor Day weekend. And it's significantly better than the State Fair of Texas. But I assumed because it's Texas and everything is bigger, so I'm told, that that State Fair of Texas will be bad. I found it very underwhelming the first time I went because I thought it would just be this blowout thing and the Minnesota one is significantly better, but it is very fun. So enjoy the fair, folks. And there's no like talk of ever going to home and away for that series, right? Oh, I would never uh, go home and away. Yeah. The, the talk is whether or not, because listen, the Cotton Bowl Stadium, Ari, have you, you haven't been there, have you? I haven't been there, no. Okay, I've driven well, by, but I haven't been in it. It's not good. It is a very old stadium. Uh, my second favorite event, other than Red River, is every April when we lived in Dallas, they would turn 
the Cotton Bowl into a giant dog park for the Dog Bowl. And we used to take our dog there, my wife and I, uh, every year. It was extremely fun. A lot of dogs running around. It was very, it was great. Uh, but that, the question was whether they're going to go play this at Jerry World. And I don't think we'll ever get there because the State Fair is so synonymous with this game. Yeah. And they kind of keep upgrading the stadium enough to make it worth playing. But both teams come out the same tunnel. It's insane, Ari. Like, yeah. I just, it's a wild, wild ball game. You got to yeah, go. Georgia, you Florida go. gets that, uh, you know, especially, it, it seems like every Georgia coach spends their first, like, seven or eight years asking for the game <laughs> to go to home and away and then eventually just, you know. <laughs> Gives it up. Yeah, it, we got to go to break moves. here, guys. Here in a second, but the one thing I want to say first, and I don't know if Cam can do this. It's pretty up high on the on the chat here, but we have a comment from Gringo Paulistano. Said Dave Ari, love the show. From somebody who struggles with loneliness and mental health, truly feels like I'm hanging out with my friends when I listen to you guys. Thank you. I wanted to give you a personal shout out. I appreciate you being here. You are our friends. Thank you so much. That, that touched me, and I just wanted to, to... It did. I think that's what we want to be on this show, is that we yeah. want to inform people. We, we want to have some fun and enjoy each other. And Ari and I, as much as we yell at each other, um, when I realize how badly Ari is wrong about the playoff and food takes and all these things, it is very fun. And I He's definitely wrong on the playoff. Hey, guys, <laughs> I want to tell you, that the funniest thing about that is uh, <laughs> that column that I wrote on Monday ran in the New York Times today. I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> And it kind of is funny to me because it was my first story ever running in the New York Times, but I am polluting the world now <laughs> with this anti-expansion propaganda. And it's like, this is, I couldn't have picked a better story that got picked for the New York Times than that one for me. So it feels I was a little wrong day. to not have a Stars Matter column be your debut in the, in yeah. the Grey Lady, Ari. But, I think there's know. people on, on Wall Street that need to open up their paper uh, <laughs> early on before the stock market opens to, to figure out how recruiting stars matter in this sport. Okay, let's yeah. get the break, guys. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Next game on the schedule, Washington State 5-0. and Mm-hmm. On the road at UCLA, three and one, catching three and a half. Washington State kind of on the verge of sketchy of, line Saturday, Ari. That's what we're at. What makes what makes you think that's sketchy? Uh, I mean, we haven't seen a ton from UCLA this year, and they got punked uh, by Utah earlier this year. Uh, and Wazoo is sort of the darling. We were talking about them as are they the third best team in the Pac-12, and they go play against a competent. Um, semi-dangerous UCLA team and they're a dog you know I th- 
what my eyes tell me Wazoo wins this game. I might if you flip this line, I would believe it. But uh, I think Vegas might know more than than my eyes. I trust my eyes a lot. But this is a case where I, I'm going to go with Vegas. I think UCLA wins and covers. This might be a shootout, too. I'm not sure either of these teams are going to be able to stop the other. UCLA going all in on the on the Dante Moore experience, I think, might pay off here. I like UCLA cover, just maybe brand name and home team, even though I'm not really sure, you know, the Rose Bowl mid Yeah, I don't know about the environment. Not sure how much of a, <laughs> not sure how much of a crowd they're going to have. But, uh, yeah, I like the Dante Moore uh, kind of momentum to continue. And Washington State, as good a story as it is, and I wholeheartedly agree with everybody that's – and I, I don't mind Pat McAfee. I, I – much like Taylor Swift, I have no opinion, really. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but like what he said and what the people knock in Washington State, like, come on, you know, they, I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I hope Washington State and Oregon State play for the Pac 12 title and, and they deserve to, you know, complain and, and use it as a thrust for their season all they want. And, and it is kind of bullying to say what McAfee did. And it's, it's not, he shouldn't have said it and other people should just leave them alone. Okay. But I do kind of think that they're going to run into a Dante Moore momentum thing here. I don't know. I mean, Dante Moore is a five-star and I know that he's looked good at times, but if you guys watch the Utah game, like that was, they were lucky to score in that game. Yes. You it know? was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was like, they, they didn't move the ball at all. Uh, and I understand that, you know, you're going on the road. UCLA has been a tougher team. And, like, I actually have been pretty impressed over the years the way that Brian Kelly has built up the lines there. And I think maybe that, if there's a line issue, not gambling line, but offensive line, defensive yeah. line issue there, that things could get a little bit dicey. But, you know, we're talking about a Washington State team that has had two proven semi-quality wins so far. You know, I would this call isn't them a semi-quality. I would call it quality. quality. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what Wisconsin is. Uh, and they haven't gone on the road yet for the, the Wisconsin or Oregon State game. But two top 20 wins against the UCLA team that isn't, you know, the greatest show on turf. I mean, it's like maybe they'll yeah. they'll figure it out here. But I think I'm going to so ride I'm with the momentum. Sketchy line, Ari. Sketchy I, line. I like Washington State. I think Washington State's a really good football team. They deserve some respect. Three and a half points, I think, seems pretty reasonable, and I think they're going to win the game outright. So, and I also want to see them go win as many games as possible because, you know, as much as people think that I'm just a five-star Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama stand, I want people to feel good. I want the sport to make people feel good. And if anybody deserves to feel good after kind of a shitty six months, who who better than Washington State fans? So I'm going Washington State. I have the exact opposite sentiment. Is Pat McAfee, and let's keep <laughs> keep it moving on that one. So Are you sound okay. like a changed you sound like a changed man after your Dan therapy session. I don't necessarily believe that they should be in the playoff, but they should definitely be, have a conference. They should, <laughs> I have, they should have said, a conference. I believe you said to me just explicitly, I don't care about the little guy's feelings. So Ari, I appreciate you. This is growth. This is I growth don't for you. <laughs> I don't care about the little guy's feelings in terms of altering the sport in order to cater to them. But yeah. they got screwed. There's a difference. Washington yes. State has not been a team that has been irrelevant in the playoff conversation in the last five years. I think yeah. there's been times. 
if I'm not mistaken, at least when Leach was there, where Washington State was in the top 10 of the actual college football playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. And they've been there at the end of the year. It's, so it's, I will, I will, uh, Stephen Godfrey's column in the Washington Post this week was very good. And he didn't say it ex- explicitly in these ways. But what ESPN has done to Washington State this week is essentially like pulling a Batman and murdering somebody's parents and then making fun of them for being an orphan. That's essentially what we've seen. And that sucks. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know what? UCLA was part of the problem of how this all kind of began and Washington State is the victim of it. I think Washington State's a better football team. And I'm not going to fall into the trap for the the line here. I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and, and our producer Cam Molina just said that they were they made it to the top ten in the 2018 CFP ranking. Is that the, so uh, the Gardner Minshew Mike yes. Leach experience? Minshew yeah. mania, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah. No, the next game here, Michigan, number two, five and zero, oh, laying nineteen and a half on the road against Minnesota. It's a little brown jug rivalry. Minnesota is one and nine in the last ten meetings of this rivalry. Twenty twenty four to twenty twenty eight Big Ten schedule was released as we're recording it. Michigan gets Washington on the road next year, as well as Ohio State. That's pretty exciting when you think about like the the prospect of it actually coming together. I hate that there's no more Pac-12. I hate that USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon are in the Big Ten. But when you see the games pop up, you know it kind of gets a little bit better. And then uh, they are home. Michigan this is against USC and Oregon in 2024. Do you think that the Michigan Death Star keeps rolling this week, Dave? Yeah, I mean, you look at this team and I couldn't I couldn't believe that they were actually 3 and 2 because if you'd asked me, they're putting out like 1 and 4 vibes, right? They get mm-hmm. stuck in this disaster of a game against Nebraska that unfortunately somebody had to win. They have also lost to a Louisiana team that's not exactly a world beater, blew a three touchdown lead to Northwestern. Ari, I don't understand how Michigan doesn't cover this by like a lot. I don't know how Minnesota is going to score against that defense. Minnesota's barely had a pulse this year. Michigan seem 20 points seems low. Like if you can get like an alt line or something like 25 or 27 and get plus money on this, I I might do that. I, this feels like Well, a the question is whether or not Michigan is built to score 58 points. They don't have, they're not going to have year. to score 58. They haven't like, given up more than game. 7 points all year. Yeah. So that that that's good. Minnesota's not getting to double digits in this. They've only broken 40 once, too. So when you start getting to the alt line 25, (laughs) 28, I mean, trust me, buddy, come to the dark side of gambling and you'll appreciate how important points are. I just, Uh, you know, it's not an easy. Minnesota, this is not, this is not going to be competitive. I think Michigan's going to cover two. What about you, Seth? Um, I saw 19 and I thought that's too many points uh, for a home team. And so I was going to pick Minnesota, but y'all were like, I mean, look, I am the SEC writer. I am not a Big Ten writer. But you went to Minnesota, so you're more qualified than us. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't. I went to another current Big Ten school, but uh, I did travel up to Minnesota to do a story. I have. I drive around my house. That's what my, I'm saying. You, you travel there. Michigan sorry, yeah. decal on the back of my car, as you saw when you visited me in Athens, <laughs> my wife's alma mater. But you guys know more. But I feel like I got to stick with my instinct which was 19 points at home and also just reaching here but maybe michigan's kind of due for one of their georgia like clunkers they've played well the first it kind of seemed like that was going to happen in the rutgers game a few weeks ago yeah rutgers went up seven nothing like in the first minute of the game 
and I think it was 7-7 and into the middle of the second quarter, and it just kind of felt like one of those weird games, and then Michigan just went into robot mode. And Rutgers and might be better end. than Minnesota, for whatever it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Michigan is probably going to handle it. And you know what? Michigan doesn't play a game of consequence until November. Uh, I guess not. Yeah, November 11th when they play on the road at Penn State. But they're doing what Georgia was supposed to yeah. do. They have to they do have that. A, they, they have, have to, to keep doing it. bad schedules, and yet Michigan is rolling teams. and Game control, uh, baby. Yeah. Game control. If you don't have a schedule, you better have game control. Yep. Okay, biggest game of the week on Dave's card. Mm-hmm. Mizzou, where he went. Tiger on tiger violence right now. Playing LSU, his preseason national championship pick, which gets funnier <laughs> to say as every week goes by. Still in uh, it, Ari. Still in it, just for the record. Yeah, and before we pick this game, guys, I just wanted to say prayers for uh, LSU safety Greg Brooks Jr., who was diagnosed with a, a rare form of brain cancer this week that I think only yeah. affects like 500 people total yeah. a year. Uh, I really, really hope, you know, bigger than sports, bigger than anything that he's just going to be okay. Uh, so I wanted to acknowledge that, that we're thinking about him and hope that, yeah, you know, it sounds like they believe they got it all in surgery and he won't yes. get any other treatments beyond that. But you know, brain surgery is, you know, a big intrusive and scary. And yes, yeah. uh, just, just wishing the best. So mm-hmm. Mizzou, I don't know. One of my best buddies that I live here in Dallas with played at Mizzou a few years ago and he's getting real fired up about it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, listen, I don't know if it's too late for LSU to turn the light on and just start cruising again, but the game is on the road. And then if you go look at uh, this chunk of schedule for Mizzou, they play Kentucky, South Carolina. It is not outside of the realm of possibility. If they somehow can figure out a way to win this game, that they're 8-0 against the big bad Bulldogs in a few weeks, and I am here for it. (laughs) (laughs) this is another sort of this year's fishy, TCU, baby. This is another fishy line for me, Ari, because you look at this, you look at the way that Mizzou has played, and this is a this is a brand name situation because LSU right now dead last in the Power Five, 125th nationally in stop rate, and a lot of that is because of the secondary. The secondary has not been very good. Meanwhile, Theo Weiss and Luther Burden probably better than any receiver on Ole Miss's roster. And Brady Cook is finally mostly healthy. He's got like a knee thing he's dealing with. Listen, if LSU finally does, quote unquote, wake up and start flexing, that might be the case. But Mizzou may go win this outright. Mizzou plus six and a half is my lock of the week. I think LSU going on the road in a game that, listen, Faro Field, it's not Kyle Field. But they can get up for some games. Uh, you're in the sort of a hole. It's sort of an underground stadium. It's a pretty interesting atmosphere when they come. But when that when that place gets gets going, uh, it can get going. And I think Mizzou fans who had modest expectations coming into the year uh, starting to smell it a little bit. And this is a game that that you can really announce announce yourself as somebody that should be taken seriously, and you can get a nice bump in the polls for beating a team. Um, that a lot of people still think is very good in LSU and, and is still a, a talented team, but a very flawed team, specifically in the secondary, which is Mizzou's best strength right now. Uh, Luther Burden leading the nation in receiving. So I think Mizzou has a chance to win this thing outright. They definitely cover. It's my lock of the week at plus six and a half. Catherine, I want a actual prediction from you in the text over here <laughs> yeah, to put yes. up here because I want to know what you think of this game. Uh, Seth, why don't you cook while Catherine's typing? So... I started this off by thinking we know who Missouri is, uh, but 
this the question that is who is LSU? Um, but I'm kind of reversing on that. I think LSU has kind of shown us who they are, mm-hmm. and that is a team that's just gonna be you know nine three, maybe even eight and four ish. The question is whether like I think Ari said is Missouri like this year's TCU or something like you you want to say all right, you know, they've kind of improved in our eyes as a team whose ceiling is like nine and three. But then you remember they have Luther Burton, who was like, who's really Everyone good in the country. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I've been and, told stars matter. I can't remember who told it's me. It's incredible that, what happens like, when you take the claw at the arcade and grab a five-star receiver by the neck, put him up and then pluck him down onto a roster. The type of impact he can have on a football team. This to me is, I watched toy story yesterday Sorry than, for that analogy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Forky is the best. Toy Story. But uh, other, I mean, Georgia, Kentucky, it is what it is. LSU, Missouri, to me, is the SEC guys kind of the most intriguing game because, yeah, our, is, is something about to blow up on us. Because if, L- if Missouri does win this game, like David said, there's a path to 8 0. And we don't know if Georgia's 8 0 at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but if LSU goes in there and wins, then we're kind of just back to where we were. Uh, I'm, I'm a victim of stars matter here. I'm, I'm going to take LSU to win and cover, uh, not with an extreme amount of confidence, but like something like 34-27, something like Seth, that. Seth, I think I've hit my last four locks, most of them by a wide margin. Casper <laughs> B. You're due to miss. <laughs> supposedly, supposedly. Catherine B., our uh, colleague and number one listener. Is an LSU Tiger. Psy, 45-38. I just can't believe that LSU loses back-to-back games. But I'm very possibly wrong, and I don't want to be a homer. This game scared me from the jump in the offseason. So I want to say something that you said in your comments, Seth. And you said, well, I think we figured out what LSU is. And maybe it's just a 9-3, and 8-4 and four team. It's like, if they lose to Mizzou, they are not a 9-3 and three team. Like, they, they've got, I mean, this is... A very important game for them. There's still some pretty big games on their schedule. Like if they lose this game, they might be like a seven and five team. Like, I mean, there's, there's some teams left. So the line is moving. Um, I'm saying they're a nine and three type team, but I'm picking them to win this game. Like I'm saying, saying if they don't win this game, Alabama, I said also nine and three, eight and four. So I'm saying there's an Alabama loss and there's another one in there somewhere. And it is very easy. And like, I will give into the temptation and say, Hey, you know, actually, the BetMGM line is moving to, you know, five, four and a half to just lay the points and just blindly convince yourself that LSU wasn't going to lose this game because it, you know, it's possible. It's just like hard to envision the thought process. And truthfully speaking, like we do, we know exactly what Mizzou is like definitively yet to make it a lock. I, I don't know that we do. That said, if you watched LSU play football last week, it was an abomination to organize sports. Like, I don't even know what happened on bad. the field out there. They could not get a stop in a million years. So I think that they're just going to turn into LSU and win the game this week. Like, if I'm getting six points, I'm going with Dave on this. They look well, it's terrible. Not like, again, this is a Mizzou team that does have wins against Kansas State and Memphis, who are two good teams, and then beat the heck out of Vandy. Kansas State, like, I, I think, had five touchdowns called off the board in that game from penalties. Uh, Something like that, yes. But I Don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> yeah so i you know mizzou this is a really interesting ball game uh for a lot of reasons but uh, feel that mizzou, tiger blood keep... starting to come back up into your chest from when you were uh, a student he's eh. humming the fight song in the shower while you brush your teeth wait are you a brush your teeth in the shower guy no no why would I don't it have a good place 
I it's I I appreciate the efficiency. For me, it's a pragmatic decision. That I, I brush my teeth in the shower every morning. I don't have a good wow. place to put the toothbrush post brushing in the shower. I, I have a little cup in the shower, and I, I, I still shave in the shower because yeah, I have okay. a whole lot of square footage to shave. But I only do the, like I do the buzzer. I need to do I do the buzzer at the sink, but I I brush my teeth and have a cup in the toothpaste in the shower. While you're watching college football, or no? Well, I'm watching college football and popping popcorn. Why so you got a whole thing going on? Kramer. Yeah, oh, yeah Kramer. that is truly a Kramer situation. Uh, Ari's a few days away from getting a, a disposal installed in his shower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We've got five games. we got to get to them really quickly because we spent a lot of time on the bigger ones. Yeah. This is probably the last big one of the week. I mean, Notre Dame, Louisville is a pretty big one. But Alabama going on the road, Texas A&M, both teams are 4-1. and one. A&M is getting two and a half points at Kyle Field, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on CBS. I live in Texas. Aggies are pumped. They should be. They should be. I- I'm concerned that we may have an Alabama that has figured itself out and is getting ready for a run. I think that world exists. Mm-hmm. But this is the best team on both lines, I think, that Alabama has played yet. Uh, Ari, I think that's entirely possible. We thought this, too, for the Miami game. So do they fix it? Yes. This is That was the analysis of the Miami game. Kyle is going to be rocking, Ari. And it is. The toughest environment yet for Jalen Milrow, who hasn't really played like a super tough road game. Um, I think Aggies win this outright, Ari. Uh, go crazy, have a second midnight yell uh, after the game, whatever you want to do. Uh, I, I just think the Aggies, I'm not convinced that they're like world beaters, but at the end of the day, a- Alabama going on the road to Kyle, which loves beating Alabama. They might be second to Texas now, Ari, as the only team that AM loves beating more. Well, um, somebody said this in the chat earlier on the show, but like if Texas AM handles Bama, What's handling? Home. What's handling? Is that just winning? I don't know. By 10 points, 14 okay. points. Okay. Definitively beats Alabama. Mm-hmm. What does that say about who's the best team in Texas this year? I don't know. Still Texas. Probably yeah, still, it's still Texas, Texas, but it's still yeah. Texas. Yeah. If only we could I think play that, this game. All right. <laughs> the thing that's interesting about this game here is that no matter what happens, there's a very compelling column attached to it. Because if Texas A&M wins the game, then Alabama is officially out. If Texas A&M loses this game, then they're four and two, and you know the shit starts again. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch. I think A&M is going to win the game outright too. Um, I think that quarterback play in com- combination with below average line play when playing the deepest and best defensive line they've probably faced all year. I mean, the only one that they've played that's kind of similar is Texas, and I don't think that yeah. it's as good as the Aggies. Give me the give me the points. I was arguing uh, with our colleague Antonio Morales in the Colorado press box last week. He he was hating on Max Johnson as Max Johnson was dropping dime after dime after dime. Antonio's a closet hater. He's a hater. He's, he speaks. <laughs> I don't he think speaks Max quietly, Johnson, but he has he has dragon Yeah, Max breath. Johnson's not going to be. He was also hating on Oregon's defense. It's not like uh, Max Johnson is going to win a Heisman, but he is above average. And I have that. Well, he's not your typical backup. That. We could say no. that. And he's not going to be phased by this. You know the roster or the scene or any of that. Experienced backups are hard to come by in college football, and and again, it's not like Connor Wegman had made the leap either. So this idea that Texas A&M is definitively worse with the injury, I'm not so sure that we have seen enough evidence to absolutely believe that that's that's the case. Okay, let's just do speed round. I'm going to say the games. You guys tell me who you want. No explanation. Ready? Okay. To- 
by the way. Oh, oh yo, you picked right, this one. Oh, yeah, Seth, you're the you SEC got? guy. No, my I, bad. I, I had a lot of back and forth, like, why to pick either team. And then I realized that unless you're really, really sure, you shouldn't pick against Nick Saban. So yeah. I'm going with Alabama. And that's my in-depth analysis. In that case. <laughs> pretty good analysis. Okay, quickly. Number 10, Notre Dame, 4-1, and one, laying 6.5 at number 25, Louisville, 5-0. and oh. Who do you guys got? Louisville's overvalued because of the schedule. Notre Dame wins and covers. Five and O is five and O, but Louisville hadn't done a thing to sit up and make you say, "Okay, like okay, all right." Yeah, like just overvalued. They're just not that good. People are five and O and they're ranked, and people are think they're good, but they're just not playing anybody. Didn't both teams play at NC State? And I think Notre Dame had the more impressive win. Um, I think I have that right. I may not, but um, yeah, I have, I have Notre Dame to like barely cover, maybe a seven or eight point win. I have Notre Dame covering too. Mm-hmm. Fresno State five and zero, laying six points at Wyoming, who almost beat, well, did beat the Big Twelve champs in Dave's book. Almost beat yeah. my Big Twelve champs, uh, which would have been terrifying. Who do we have here? Quickly, first of all, I'm not going to go too far in loving on Fox for broadcasting this game because they did kill the Pac-12 essentially. Um, But shout out to Fox for taking this ball game because it is a great game. One of the games of the year in the Mountain West. Uh, But Wyoming, I think, ruins the party and puts some, puts some, uh, throws, throws a a stake in the spokes of the Fresno State bandwagon uh, and wins. That's a tough, tough place to play. Laramie, they are going to be hyped. I mean, I, this has got to be the first time either of these teams outside of a bowl game has been on Fox before. Uh, so give me Craig Bulls, guys. Uh, Wyoming has just gotten the job done every single week. And that one loss, Ari, is to your national champion, Texas Longhorns, um, in a game that they were tied in the fourth quarter. So I like Fresno, the defense. This is going to be a really physical game. But give me give me Wyoming. Shout out to Mikey Keene. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my guy. Um, I got Fresno real quick. Wyoming's color scheme, I'd like to give it kudos. The brown and gold, very few are courageous enough to do it. San Diego Padres, as disappointing Mm -hmm. as they were on the field this year, they just have some sweet bastards of uniforms with those pinstripes. They embrace it. Kudos to Wyoming. Uh, Denver Broncos, I think, originally were brown and gold and abandoned it. Yes, Um, And so Wyoming, you stand out. Because you embrace your your brown and gold, or maybe they call it mustard, or I don't know what they do. But while I'm not picking Wyoming to win this game, I just like to single it out for praise for its uniform scheme. <laughs> I, just, I actually think that it's funny that you said that because I think they have sneaky top ten uniforms, and I love their end zones. Mm. And I also have never been zone. to Wyoming. And I just like want to go cover a game near. In the, Laramie's in on my list of like top five places I have not been that I need to go. I knocked off. Autzen and Eugene this year. That was awesome. Uh, I lived on Fresno State's campus for four months during an MLB.com internship in college because mm-hmm. I was a California minor league baseball specialist. I need and a I lived book in, about that experience. <laughs> oh, it was one of the best summers of my life. I lived out there yeah. on my own. I had no friends. There was a casino where 18-year-olds could gamble, and I drove all around California uh, that summer on mileage writing about further minor league baseball. Further confirming I, lived, I need a book about this summer. Yeah. And it, it made me it made me realize how much people in Fresno love those Bulldogs. I'm gonna I'm oh, gonna yeah. take Fresno on this one. Okay. Uh, Marshall Forno taking seven points at NC State three and two. Uh that's the second to last game I'm gonna pick here. 
I, I did not have uh, Brennan Armstrong gets benched for MJ Morris on my Brennan Armstrong, Robert and I reunion bingo board this year. I, I have more and more trouble figuring out what happened to Virginia in 2021. They were like very good, very fun, maybe the most explosive team in the country. And they have not been able to recreate that magic in any way, shape or form. NC State's kind of depressing to watch. Marshall, very spicy. I think Marshall covers here. They might flirt with winning this game. NC State can't score, man. And I don't know that MJ Morris is the answer there. It's it's a problem. So give me Marshall, the, th- the herd, and Charles Huff covering. Um, I outsourced this pick to a uh, Athens resident who uh, used to coach at Marshall. Probably do a little Googling, figure out which one. Um, he thinks. <laughs> Marshall can keep it close, but home field's important. Um, and NC State could be helped by a dual threat quarterback. So I'll go with Marshall to cover, but NC State to win. I'm on Marshall too. Lastly, USC 5 0, laying 25 and a half points against Arizona this week. Over under 71 and a half. I like the under of this game, by the way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, not a low. I mean, Jacob Cowan. I think that uh, most, I think that it's like, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but. Over-unders in the 70s this year are hitting at like an 80% clip, the under. I think the clock rules are still, are are we're still catching Maybe. up to that stuff. Yeah. Tetairoa McMillan, that, that one-two punch with him and Jacob Cowing. I, I don't know what you've seen, Ari, from USC to make them think that they're not going to give up 30 and score 50 in this game. I, 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 22 and a half is too many. Arizona is not that different from Colorado in just what they can do, uh, but they, they have all their pieces together. So... Give me USC. I mean, give me Arizona covering, but the over is the, the over is the pick here, Ari. Over, okay. We'll see uh, about I got, that. I got USC covering. I think David and I might have been like on the opposite end of every pick so far. <laughs> I think we so were I just, today. Let, let's let's finish going that way. I just it, the mm-hmm. the number twenty one and a half seems low, and I I say that as a firm believer, as I think a lot of people increasingly are that. Uh, Lincoln Riley's never going to win a national championship unless he makes some fundamental differences with the way he builds his program. I'd never play this game in a million years uh, with my real money, but I'm done laying three scores with USC playing anybody. Their defense is hot ass, and I'm tired of getting beaten the way that I was beaten <laughs> last week uh, in that Colorado game. I tried to Still warn you, matter. Ari. I tried to They're warn go you score. last I thought week. they were going to score 70 points last week in the second quarter, and they didn't. No, they won by seven, right? I uh, no yeah, thanks. By thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> okay, uh, superlative picks. Locks of the week. Dave is just killing the locks of the week. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. That's how we do it, man. That's how we do it. Uh, yeah, oh. Mizzou is my yeah. lock. Revisiting the Tiger on Tiger crime. Uh, that is a very interesting ball game that I think we we have. And I've laid out the reasons for it. Uh, Brady Cook has a big, big game against the secondary. Luther Burden, uh, if you're looking for a a player prop, whatever Luther, I don't know what Luther Burden's over-under is for receiving yards, 115 or whatever. He's going over it, I'll just tell you. They got nobody that can cover him. Seth, uh, your lock of the week is UNC minus 8.5, and and I'm going to let you explain why, but just so you know, as we were recording this, Tez Walker's transfer waiver was approved by the NCAA, and I believe he's going to be playing. So. Really? Uh, that, I missed that. That was yeah. a huge story and kind of changes the calculus a little bit on 
on how you change. I mean, you were already on the, actually, the, that side. I'm actually more annoyed now because what was the point? Yeah, of what were we it, doing? What, what changed? Yeah. Well, the, what did we the do? The NCAA statement says that North Carolina provided them new information and then scolds UNC for not providing that information a few weeks ago. What so, new information? What are we doing? Yeah, that's, that's what I, I can't wait to hear what it was and what UNC's response oh to that gosh. is or, or what. That's great, but, but also yeah. it infuriates me because it's like, if uh, whatever, that's annoying. Throw him out, play four and games, also. and then redshirt. So you just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in a well, weird spot with eligibility and NFL draft stuff. I don't know what his draft stock looks like, but that's the line has shifted on BetMGM to nine and a half. But okay. go ahead, I Seth. still, yeah, I mean, I had North Carolina eight and a half. It's nice that Syracuse is four and one, but it hasn't really beaten anybody close to North Carolina's level. And Syracuse just lost by 17 at home to Clemson eight. And a half just seemed really low. Nine and a half still seems low. Uh, I think North Carolina coverings a lot. I like I like the over here, but Garrett Schrader continuing to play like a crash test dummy is my absolute favorite thing in college sports right now. Last week he had a run where he was like twenty yards downfield and tried to do like a spin move and got absolutely obliterated. And the fumble, the ball shot out like ten yards, and he got bailed out because of kind of a I don't know about the targeting call, but Garrett Schrader. From his days being helicoptered at Mississippi State, has continued to be inc- incredibly fun and incredibly reckless. Never changed. Did you know that he's Never Hank changed. Schrader's nephew? Did you know that? <laughs> that's good. Those FBI genes have. have yeah, that's just have, he's a tough kid and he's down. seen some stuff. That's good, so that's a good fun fact, Ari. Yeah, uh, my lock of the week is Texas Tech minus one and a half. I just think that they are better than they've performed. Big that West champs. Virginia. I think that West Virginia game still gives makes me a little queasy. I don't really know what happened there. But yeah. we're finding out slowly but surely that West Virginia is more competent than we thought they were going to be. I just think that Baylor's off this year. Texas Tech is a, is a good team. And maybe now that they get back to playing without the pressure of winning the Big 12, like clowns like Dave have put on their shoulders, they can start playing within themselves and they can start playing with some <laughs> confidence. And that nothing to lose, reckless, wreck them, abandon I, I just really like this spot here for Texas Tech. I know it's on the road. But you know, laying a also, point. Also, Baylor stinks. It's a good lock. Baylor I like the I like the pick. Yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping to. I'm I'm one and zero in my last one lock of the week. So I'm trying to get a little streak here. Okay, trap games. Dave, who's your trap game? Ole Miss. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, nobody's getting up for Arkansas these days. Uh, the vibes in Arkansas are absolutely terrible. Uh, I so listen. I am an Arkansas native. I. I'm in a multiple Arkansas group chats. I was not, I didn't watch a ton of the first quarter. I was in Colorado, but I checked my phone after the first quarter and I had 56 text messages, I believe, uh, in one of my, one of my high school friend group chats. So listen, guys, the it's, it's an angry place to be. Arkansas is very low. Ole Miss is very high. Uh, be careful, be careful. Rebs. I know the Rebs feel like they're on top of the world, LSU might be slightly overvalued. Just be careful. Big trap game here. Big trap game for Ole Miss. Next game, Seth, who's your trap? Uh, TCU's not ranked, but touchdown favorite on the road at Iowa State, which you know, maybe I'm just trusting too much in Matt Campbell, but TCU just lost at home to West Virginia. I know it was close, yeah, but, uh, you know, they. they I, I think we – the betters, the line may be given TCU too much credit for being TCU based off last year and also for Colorado being good mm-hmm. um, and kind of retroactively giving them credit for that. Iowa stays 
you know, they, they just got clobbered at Oklahoma. We talked in the earlier in the show about Oklahoma being better. Um, and their other two losses were close. So, uh, I'd, I'd go Iowa state to pull off the upset. Mine is Colorado at Arizona state. Colorado, I believe is laying three and a half or four and a half. I'm much lower. Are you going to this? No, I'm on the couch this weekend. I'm very wow, excited. Must be uh, nice. Um, Doug, Doug Howard will be there for us. So, okay. Uh, yeah. What a Dion free show this has been. It really has been a Dion free show, and Saturday probably will be too with this game buried on Pac-12 Network. I'm curious. Unless Colorado loses, which Network. is what I'm warning that could happen. The it line could. is a little bit lower than I would have thought it would be. Arizona State's kind of a mess. Colorado, you know, I thought played a pretty good game at home against USC last week. You would think they'd be able to handle, you know, three and a half or whatever points that they're laying. That just seems like a bizarre line, and Arizona State's probably going to get up for this game. And, you know, athletically speaking, you know they could probably match up pretty well on the lines too. They're still so we'll on see. QB three though, Ari. That's that's, the that's yeah, that's the yeah, right, right. So that's that. Okay, sickos games of the week. Go ahead, uh, Dave. If we can't have Iowa, Nebraska's right there. This is a bad team right now, and it is an ugly team. I've seen them in person. They just uh, it's been a little bit better since Heinrich Harburg took over, but they just. They're hard to watch. They do not great things. And this week they're going to Illinois, another team that just wants to pound you. Uh, Burt Ball fired up. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be three yards and a cloud of dust and eight fumbles. I just this is going to be I don't really want to watch this Friday night game, so I probably may watch it. But I we're taking uh, our daughter to Dollywood on Friday, so I may have some of this on a phone, but I, I don't know how much of this I will actually be watching. Say hi to three-year Letterman while you're there. <laughs> yes, Pigeon Forge yeah. is finest. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you have a timeshare out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my sickos. Uh, so does Virginia finally get a win against in-state oh, rival gosh. William and Mary, the Mighty Tribe, alma mater of Mike Tomlin, uh, Carolina Panthers beat writer Joe Person of the Athletic, as well as my sister. Um, nice. And Lou Holtz used to coach there. The once proud Cavaliers are 0-5. There is no line on this game, but I want to pick it anyway, and I'll pick Virginia. But I'm not actually that confident. And there's probably a story to be done on what the hell happened to Virginia. It's a it's a it's a Dabo coaching tree story because Jeff Scott went to USF, yeah, yeah. a place that a lot of people have won at and made them maybe the worst G5 team. And Tony Elliott, a guy that a lot of people respected, was in the mix for the Tennessee job. Goes to Virginia, and I'm thinking right now, they're probably the worst Power 5 team. I, I don't understand it. They it did. Is, I should say they had a terrible tragedy last year. Sure, um, but yeah, that but, but they are really, not, really bad yeah. this year. And that's not th- – that thing is sort of – that situation is sort of separate from, like, this is a bad football team. And right Venables now, and did just, not look good last year. Yes, and that's bad. not really the Dabble Tree, but, yeah, the, it was yeah. – it was – it's it's not good. It's not. Have good, you guys so. ever noticed that the athletic logo is identical to the Arby's logo and also identical to Akron's <laughs> logo? Uh, somewhat. We've changed Thank some logos. We've had some different letting logos. Me I get confused when I see the X logo on my phone. I have clicked on the X logo while trying to open the athletic app and vice versa multiple times recently. It's a problem. Yeah, the X, whenever you get a link from X.com, it's still kind of like, I don't want to click on this, but we'll we'll probably get through there uh, in our brains once it becomes more normal. My single game of the week is 
Northern Illinois versus Akron. It's one in four teams in the MAC. Like, what else do I have to say? Like, Daniel Garrett's not going to be happy with you. The MAC's yeah, finest. Daniel Garrett. Akron <laughs> is the lock of the week again. Uh, but uh, yeah, shout out to Joe I, I Moorhead the, though. He can scheme up some ball plays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, guys. That was a long episode. Thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Be sure to follow on the podcast or wherever you listen to uh, the show, whether that be YouTube, anywhere you do. Like, subscribe, find us, review us, share us. Do everything that you can to help the show grow. And word of mouth is a very powerful thing. Anything you can do to help helps us. And the next time we will talk will be Saturday night after the games for our live reaction show. Both Dave and I will be at home on the couch, so it shouldn't be too late. Looking forward to all the great games this weekend. And, of course, looking forward to talking to you guys again on Saturday night. Until then, for Seth Emerson and Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. That was Until Saturday. Bring back the turnover chain.